You guys are doing well. Hope you're enjoying church in the privacy uh, of your own home, which is pretty cool, actually, you know, if you think about it. Um, this situation we're in is so unprecedented. You know, um, I've shared it before, and I'm so convinced about it that uh, no time in church history has the global church, the global church, been asked or told to not meet. Uh, that's never happened before. It's happened in certain areas where there was persecution and the church goes underground or whatever, but there hasn't been a global situation to not gather and assemble. And uh, the Apostle Paul understood that burden. He wanted to meet with people, uh, family of believers in the church, and what he ended up telling them is, uh, guys, I can't be with you personally, uh, but I'm with you in the spirit. Even though I'm absent physically, I'm with you in the spirit. I feel we're doing that right now. It's actually really cool as a family of believers um, that we are still connecting spiritually. We're growing in the things of God together. Um, I, sp- I really want to share this one thing. It's so important, guys, that um, some of you, again, um, the biggest issue right now is the, is the fear and the concern. And, and if you, if you uh, it's good to be apprised and know what's going on and check in on stats and what's going on with this spread and this pandemic that we're currently in right now. But I want to encourage you, don't get sucked into the news cycle. Don't get caught into, you know, we are what we eat. And, um, you know, it'll just kind of put a spirit of fear in us all. It really will. So I would encourage you to check in, be wise as serpents, gentle as doves. You know, we're discerning, but we don't uh, we don't trust in news. We don't trust in uh, current situations. We trust in the Lord. And so uh, really important. And if you are one of those who are struggling, I want to encourage you again, read Psalm 91 every day. Just read it every day. And it deals literally with the people of God being protected from pestilence and things like this and famines and pestilence and things that are sweeping across the land. This is a historic thing throughout the ages where once in a while one of these things sweeps through an entire geographic area. Um, and, and so the Bible addresses everything in life and including matters like this. It's so important that you and I come under the shadow of his wing in a season like this uh, for his protection and to be right in the zone that he's calling us to be. Uh, another scripture I read today, if you're lacking peace, is this, and I love this, and I believe it's a prophetic uh, word for the church today in the middle of this crisis. It's Malachi 4, verse 2, and it says this, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. The son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. I don't know about you, but I'm holding on to that one. I'm believing. We got our own things we're dealing with and trusting that the son of righteousness is rising as we speak with healing in his wings. Can I get an amen? All right. Uh, So anyway, that's good. So I encourage you, have peace in this storm. You can have peace in the storm. We talked about it uh, last week. You can have peace in your storms with Jesus. He's all about bringing you peace in your storms. And uh, today, if you guys have a Bible, we're going to be in John chapter 12. We're going to be looking at a Palm Sunday passage today because today is Palm Sunday. And uh, uh, as you guys are turning there, I just want to say on a good note, one thing that's happened out of this current pandemic, one thing that's happened in this mandate to shelter in place and settle down and stay home. Um, One great thing that's happened, and I think many agree, it's caused us all to slow way down. It's caused us all to slow down and take notice of things. It's caused us to to, to listen better. It's caused us to uh, pay attention more to those around us. If you're in a family, the loved ones near you or roommates or at least your neighbors, it's caused us to settle down. And the Bible says, be still, and know that I am God. I would encourage you that this is a season that we need to take the most 
and make the most of every opportunity in this season to slow down, to recognize the loved ones around us, to recognize the neighbors and the people that we need to love around us in the middle of this. Uh, Hopefully you are taking time and you're not finding an alternative way to stay busy or check out or get entertained. Hopefully uh, you're not just binging on Netflix. Hopefully you're taking this time that God has set apart for us and make the most of the opportunity. Um, On that note, Christy had a great idea the other day. She thought, how can we use this time to um, really be effective right now for the glory of God? And one thing we're trying to do is we're trying to love our neighbors. We're trying to sincerely uh, reach out to our neighbors and to um, love them. So Christy had this idea to post on Nextdoor, which is an app many of you guys have or should have. You can sign up. You'll actually know who your neighbors are. It's a great way to love uh, those around you. You can help each other out. Sometimes people are giving things away or need help or a recommendation, and it's a way for neighbors to stay connected. Highly recommended. So Christy puts on there that we are going to give out on Friday and Saturday between 2 o'clock and 4 o'clock. We are going to give free honey away to any of our Northridge neighbors who would just like to be blessed with honey. And so that's posted on, um, you know, uh, next door. And so we go up on the corner right near our house, uh, right on the corner, two houses away. And we um, sit out there, meet Christy and I and our kids. And we're out there with free honey to give away, amazing honey. Um, and as many of you guys know, uh, and uh, also these Jesus film DVDs, the gospel and some promotional materials just to share the love of Jesus and our faith community to people around us in the neighborhood. And so people responded from uh, next door and they're like, where's the honey? And then they pull up and they say to Christy, oh, you're the honey lady or something. And so we're just, and other neighbors, they're just driving by and we're like, hey, we have honey. And they're like, what? And some are rolling up their windows, driving away. Some think you're trying to sell it and you're not. Um, freely you've been given, freely give, right? And so we are just simply, uh, some of them are like, what are you doing? Like, we're just giving this free, fresh, amazing, raw honey to you as a gift to you. We're trying to love our neighbors, give it as a gift to you. And they, they're baffled. They don't understand. Along with that, we give them the gospel. And so we give out about a hundred and almost 120 of these just in this time. And um, normally we wouldn't have had the bandwidth with everything going on. This was a time where we're slowed down and we're thinking instead of the uh, macro whole global world, it's forced us to look more at the micro. What's right in front of us? What is right in our proximity? I know I've personally prayed uh, with my neighbor, literally my next door neighbor, uh, more in this last week than um, in the six years prior, uh, just to hear uh, they're going through some things and some sadness and brokenness to encourage, to counsel, uh, and to just help build up and to pray for. And so we want to use these times this way, guys. I highly recommend Amend you take advantage of this opportunity. Um, talking about that, I know Heather had emailed me and she said, shout out to Heather. Um, on the same kind of note, she figured, what can I do in this time to really be effective and to reach my neighbors? So she emailed a bunch of her neighbors she, that she knows and she uh, attached a sermon message of hope just like this one to it, but specifically said to them, hey, listen guys, if there's anything you need, if I can encourage you in any way or get something for you at the store, Uh, Whatever it is I can do in this season, please let me know. Whether people take advantage of that or not, they will never forget what you offered them. They will never forget uh, you expressing the love of God in a time of need just like this. So again, I want to encourage you guys, aim high, 
make the most of the opportunity, be uh, the representative of Jesus who, who, who brings peace to your neighbors, okay? That's who we represent. Really want to encourage you guys to do uh, the same. So anyway, getting into our passage today, uh, this week is monumental in the church calendar because 2,000 years ago, around this time of the year, Jesus came in for Passover Sunday to Jerusalem. He had done this ministry in his public ministry for three years, from 30 AD to 33 AD, and this would be his final, his final descent into Jerusalem. It's what we call Passion Week. And he had been telling his disciples and the crowds the whole time, specifically his disciples, he said, hey, guys, I'm doing all these things, but pretty soon, pretty soon, I'm going to be going to Jerusalem, I'm going to be handed over, and I'm going to give my life as a ransom for many. And they didn't really understand that, and they didn't want to really hear that, because there's certain things they really like about Jesus, and there's some things they don't like, and that Jesus being a sacrifice and being removed from them is not something they wanted to hear. Yet Jesus knew it was coming, and he was intentional. He was born with a mission, and he was walking out this mission right now. And so Jesus in John chapter 12, if you have your Bible, we're going to be picking up in verse 12. Um, but, but Jesus is making this descent into Jerusalem, and he knows exactly what is coming this final week uh, of this time before the cross. He knows exactly what's about to play out, and it's not going to be fun, but it's going to be very intentional and purposeful and sacrificial. So he's coming in knowing that, and he knows on this Sunday, this, this Passion Week, he knows it's going to culminate with Good Friday, which is this Friday. We're going to have a live stream for you hopefully from a special undisclosed location. Um, you know, we're going to try to do that, not from the living room. We're going to try to um, get out there and do this uh, in, in a spot so we can make it more authentic for you. Uh, so lock in on that for our Good Friday service, and you'll get an email about it. It'll be around 5, 5.30-ish. Um, and uh, stream that with us, please, and engage, because it's so powerful. And so what what happened is he came in and he knew that the Friday was coming. He knew he was going to be betrayed and turned over. He knew the Last Supper was coming and the uh, and and going to the cross. But he also knew that three days later was Resurrection Sunday, profound, which changed the world for you and I and for everyone who's in Christ. Changed the world forever. So here's what we have laying before us this week. I would encourage you to read the Gospels this week, clock the story, stay in track with the story, so that we can do this together as we walk. Uh, with Jesus in this profound and powerful um, week. And so, and by the way, if you see me do this a little bit, I'm looking at Instagram peeps right here and, uh, excuse me, Instagram peeps right here and Facebook crew right here. So God bless you both. Um, uh, anyway, um, so, so here's how it starts with this passage. If you have your Bible, you can read it. Uh, I would say on your device, but you're probably streaming right now. So I don't know if you can do both. But this is Jesus coming into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, which happened today, historically. And um, it starts like this in uh, chapter, uh, chapter, John 12, verse 12. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. And Jesus found a donkey and sat on it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter of Zion. Your, see, your king is coming seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Now, the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. And many people, can, because 
they had heard that he had performed the sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere. The whole world has gone after him. Profound passage and very, very revealing. So as people were coming from everywhere, because it is Passover week, and it's a mandatory week, and it's a mandatory time to come to the temple in Jerusalem to worship. And so people are coming from all the surrounding areas for this week to get there, to find a place to stay, to come. So they're coming from far and wide. And as they're coming, they hear, they hear this about Jesus. Now, many have heard a story. They've heard a story about somebody healed. They heard a story about somebody delivered. They heard a story about something remarkable that Jesus did. Many have heard stories because stories spread far and wide and they heard about this Jesus and many are thinking, could this be our long-awaited Messiah? Could it finally be our Messiah? And many others are thinking, I don't know if it is, but I hope it is. So the crowds are gathering and they're leaning in going, wow, he's coming. We all want to see him. They're gathering. So at the same time, Jesus had just, this past prior week here, raised Lazarus from the dead. And when he raised Lazarus from the dead, everybody was flipping out. Um, They're like, oh my goodness, who is this one? He's so much more than a prophet. He raises the dead. Who is this? So they are so excited about Jesus that they too are spreading the word everywhere saying, come and meet the one who raises the dead. So you have all these people at one time congregating and merging on Jesus as he's ready to make this final descent into Jerusalem on what we call uh, Palm Sunday. And so these crowds, uh, many believed he's the Messiah. Some hoped he was the Messiah. Some weren't sure. They just wanted to check it out and see what's going on, as it is with Jesus with many. Some know who he is. Some are not sure who he is. And and some just want to maybe check it out to get a bird's eye view to see what's going on. Remember Zacchaeus up in the tree? In the story, Jesus going to Jericho? Zacchaeus didn't know either. He just wanted to be up in the tree and check this out. Go, I'm not really sure who he is. I just don't want to miss out. And Jesus engaged him and made it very personal, changed his life forever, just like he does for many of us um, that are willing. And so Jesus uh, is coming in and the people are excited. They are shouting out. And the reason they're shouting out, this is important, guys, they're excited and they're shouting out because they have an expectation. They have this hope inside. They have this expectation. And we know historically what that expectation was is that if and when Messiah comes, we hope, we think, if we understand Scripture correctly, we hope he's going to deliver us from this Roman Empire. Jesus is the deliverer. He is the Savior. But his A game was not to deliver Israel from the Roman Empire. His A game was to deliver them from their biggest enemy that they had, which was themselves and sin, to deliver them from that, to be their savior and deliverer from that. But the hope and expectation in the hearts of the people, plurally, was maybe this is the time. Maybe the king of Israel is finally coming in to take legal right of what is his, and maybe he's going to take over the Temple Mount and, and, and destroy Rome. Maybe today is the day. So people come to Jesus for a lot of different reasons. People come for different expectations People come to Jesus because they have different hopes in their heart. They have different ideas of who Jesus is and what he is going to do or what they hope he is going to do. And the scriptures are full of stories in the Gospels of people who did exactly that, came to Jesus, and Jesus says, what do you want? 
And they said, my son needs healing. That's what I'm here. I'm only here for my son or my daughter needs this or um, Lord, would you help with this situation? This guy can't walk over here. Or uh, What is it you want? Well, I'm blind. I want to see Jesus. And people came to Jesus for so many things. They had a hope. They had an expectation. And to be honest with you, maybe you did too. Maybe you came to Jesus because you had an expectation. Maybe you were at a place in life because you had a hope, a dream, an expectation where maybe Jesus, if I go to him, maybe he's the one that can do something about that. And that's wonderful and that's honorable. Many of us come to Jesus because of an expectation. I know I did. I came to Jesus because I heard, I heard that he was the Prince of Peace. I heard he was. I remember getting the Christmas card that promised the one, this child who's going to be born in Bethlehem from the Virgin, this Jesus, this Christ child will be the Prince of Peace. He'll be called the Prince of Peace. And I thought, I wonder if that's true because I don't have that peace and I really want it. And so we come for different reasons. And what I realized is when I came to Jesus for peace, it was true. Jesus offers peace. I I was accurate in my expectation. It wasn't just some random thing. It was a a promise of scripture. And Jesus, in fact, promised what the scripture promised as well. Jesus provided what the scripture promised. And I realized not only is the Prince of Peace, he offered so much more than just the peace. So much more. But the entryway to me, the desire to meet him, like the people in the crowd, the expectation to come to him in the first place, had to do with something. It was a hope I had, an aspiration. It was an expectation. And specifically, it was peace. Jesus, if that's who you are, I don't know. I don't know you personally. But if it is, I want what you have. Could you do that for me? And this is where engagement with Jesus the Christ began for me. Maybe you have a similar story where you came for a reason. Um, And so Jesus in this passage, he comes into Jerusalem, but he's not doing really what the crowd thought. You see, he, he came in, instead of being on a horse, which is an animal of war, Jesus came in on a donkey, which is an animal of peace a complete contradiction to maybe what they thought the Messiah would do and overthrow Rome. He came in peace because he's the Prince of Peace. He didn't come to conquer Rome. He came to conquer sin and death. And this was the misinterpretation with people's hopes and dreams and aspirations of the real promises of Jesus and what they hoped he might do. And this is really important because when Jesus entered Jerusalem, guess what? He did not do, listen, Jesus did not do what the people expected him to do. That Jesus the Messiah did not do what the people hoped he would do. Jesus did what he said he would do, but he did not do what the people hoped he would do. And I need to bring this out because this happens too often in life. Too often in life, there is a hope, just like the crowd. There is a hope of what Jesus might do. There is a hope that maybe if I get somewhere around him, he will do this for me. He will provide this for me. He will do this for me. He will uh, make me successful. Whatever this thing is, there's so many things. And Jesus does wonderful, profound, magnificent things in our life. But sometimes they're not things that he actually promised. Listen, he didn't promise them. And yet we expect them. Think about that for a minute. He never promised them. And yet we expect them. And that's the great point of disappointment going on in this passage. The crowds gathered around are like, yes, shouting, yelling, 
son of David, king of Israel, we expect, Hosanna, save us, do this. That's what these words mean, save us, come and save us right now. But that's not what's happening in the way they thought. And there's disappointment going on. And the same crowds that thronged around him and shouted out and yelled, well, guess what? Pretty soon, they all walked away. Pretty soon, we don't hear of this specific crowd again. What happened to them? I don't know. They had an expectation and their expectation wasn't met. But I want to remind you, their expectation isn't one that Jesus gave them. This is important. It's not something that Jesus said. Jesus will never disappoint. Listen, he will never disappoint on what he says. You need to know that. He will never disappoint on what he says. You can own that. You can keep that. You can hold on to that. Um, If you're a note taker today, some of you are, some of you aren't, but if there's a couple of takeaways that you get today, I want to encourage you to please hold on to this because maybe this isn't the season of your life. Maybe you have friends and family and loved ones who also had an expectation of Jesus and it's not one that he promised and yet they had it. And because Jesus didn't meet their expectations somehow, they're disappointed too and they get discouraged and walked away. And walk away. And I want to encourage you to to lovingly point people back to the nature and the promises of Jesus. Here's what we got to know. It's so important. Listen, guys, don't expect what Jesus never promised. Don't expect what Jesus never promised. The crowd did expect what Jesus never promised. And we often do as well, all two guys. We expect some reason that Jesus is going to do it, but he never promised it in the first place. And that might sound like a good idea, but it's hard to put your trust in something that Jesus never promised in the first place. Does that make sense? The hope that he'll do something that he never said he would do, or I don't know why. The Bible might even say the opposite of what we're asking, but, but, but we expect it. And so there's disappointment, there's discouragement. Don't expect what God never promised. That's the first thing. The second one is this. Always expect, always expect everything that God promised. Never expect, don't expect what God never promised, but always expect what God did promise you. This is so important because when you expect what he promised, you're in the right place. You're in a place ready to receive. He's the sovereign one. He's the one who does it. We don't. But our faith is so monumentally important. And in the Bible, you cannot disconnect the provision of God, the blessings of God, the power of God showing up in people's life. You cannot disconnect biblically the sovereignty of God and the faith of his people. You can't disconnect those. The narrative of scripture from beginning to end has to do with the sovereignty of God and the faith of people. And sometimes the sovereignty of God didn't meet people the way they wanted because he said, where is your faith? How come you had no faith? And he said, where is he? And, and then when he had, they had faith, the Bible shows how Jesus said, wow, I admire your faith. And God says he's a rewarder of faith, literally a rewarder. So our faith and his sovereignty go hand in hand. And you got to put your faith not in an empty promise, not in an empty hope or an empty aspiration, but the promises of scripture. And if you do, you won't be disappointed, family. Listen, you won't be disappointed if you put your promises, if you put your faith in the promises of God instead of random hopes, dreams, or aspirations. It's the way to roll. It's the way to live. It's the way to do life by design. You got to know the promises of God. So I would encourage you this year, what are you going to do in scripture? Why don't you start learning the promises of God? What are the things he does promise and what are the things he doesn't promise? Especially we're in times of a pandemic. There's all kinds of stuff going on. There's unanswered questions. We have concerns. We have doubts. We have wonders. We have fears. We have a lot of questions. 
What do we place our hope in? If it's the promises of God, you can absolutely bank on that and put your promises, your hopes in the promises of God. And if it's not, you can pray and ask for it. But be careful what you fully invest your heart into when it's not one of the promises of God in the first place. Does that make sense? The crowd did that. We don't want to do what this crowd did. We want to be, there's other crowds in the Bible. We want to be part of those uh, crowds. But anyway, listen, um, I want to share one more thing. It's Luke 19, and we're going to wrap up in just a second. Luke chapter 19, it is a parallel passage of what we're looking at right here. Uh, The Gospels have different narratives of Jesus coming in on Palm Sunday, and Luke 19 has a, a scripture that I think is important for us to wrap up on, very important. It says, it says this in Luke 19, uh, verse 39. It says this, Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. That's a wild passage. We're going to finish in a second. But it says that this day, this day, the very day, this is wild, the very day that Jesus came into Jerusalem on this day in history was prophesied by the prophet Daniel, who wrote exactly when Israel's Messiah would come. He says, from the day Israel gets released from captivity, from Babylon, When that day comes, it was a future date. He goes, but when that day does come historically, you can count like a clock 483 years. Uh, 483 years later, Israel will behold their Messiah, essentially. This is a fulfillment of the prophecy of the one to come. So there were many who were counting the days and many saw the prophecy and many understood. And when Jesus is coming, they're like, my goodness, this is lining up with the prophetic calendar. Others ignored that prophecy of scripture. But Jesus came in on this very day. This very day was a day marked in history. It's a day the world was waiting for the Messiah to come. In fact, the people are rightly shouting as they should because this is a marked day in history, fulfilling prophecy of when Israel's Messiah and the Savior of the world would finally come into Jerusalem to make himself known publicly as Israel's king as he rode in as the king of Israel. Um, and people are shouting, but, but even nature, even nature was waiting for this day by God's design. And Jesus says, listen guys, even if the people didn't shout out, he's telling the Pharisees, the stones would cry out. And now I don't know what that would look like. What does it sound like when stones cry out? I don't know. Maybe the earth shakes something of some crazy magnitude. The Bible says that the, in, in Romans, that the earth groans, groans in anticipation of what God has in store. So even the timeline of this planet, which we don't see the timeline God does, even the earth groans, talking about an internal tremble, like a stomach when you're really hungry. People hear it, you recognize it, you feel it. Um, that is something going on internally that's an outward expression of an inward reality. Jesus is saying, listen, if the people didn't shout out on this day, uh, the stones would cry out. I believe he's talking about some internal manifestation on the planet was going to make itself known because this was a marked day in history. But here's where I want to close on this scripture. And this is another point. I pray you please take to heart. If you take a few things to heart today, it's never expect what God never promised. I mean, don't, you can ask for it, but don't put all your hope and base your future and faith on something that God never promised important. Number two is always expect, always expect what God promises. And that's something scripturally you have the authority to bank your faith on that and believe God for. 
Um, and this is the last one right here. Um, we're going to see how this wraps up. In verse 41, it says this, as Jesus approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. He wept over it and said, even you, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace. If you knew what would bring you peace on this day, but now it is hidden from your eyes. This is profoundly important right here. It says Jesus wept. One of the shortest verses in the Bible are Jesus wept. It came up when he raised Lazarus from the dead. Jesus wept. Jesus has got so much love. He's got so much compassion. He is so endearing. He is so loving. He's got so much grace and mercy, but his heart is for purpose and for mission, and it's for people. And in this case right here, his heart is broken. His heart is broken because Israel's king finally came into Jerusalem. Some of them got it, but many of them missed it. Many of them ignored. Many of them said, you didn't do what we thought you'd do the way you thought you would, we would, the way we thought you would do it. And what happens here is we begin to see a disconnect happening right here. His heart is breaking and he's weeping. He's weeping. Jesus is crying. And what he's saying is, guys, I only came, I only came that you might have peace. He's like, don't you understand? I came that you might have peace. I didn't come for me. I came for you. I came that you might have peace. And you're completely rejecting my offer of peace. What a terrible thing to do. And Jesus' heart is broken over this. And he's crying. Jesus the Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah, the King, who is crying over the response of people who rejected his love and his peace. This is really sad. In fact, you might not know this, but Jerusalem, the city he's crying over, Jerusalem, Salem, is peace. Muslims say, Islam, Alaikum, peace be with you, Salam, Salam. Jerusalem is the city of peace. Jewish people say, Shalom, Shalom for peace. Jerusalem is the city of peace. Jesus is praying and crying over this city of peace because the people in the city of peace refuse to receive the peace that's being offered to them. The very design of Jerusalem is to receive the peace of God. That's why we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, Scripture says. And yet at this very time, at this very time, people are rejecting the very Prince of Peace himself in person. And this is really sad. And Jesus says, because of this, guys, because you're rejecting the peace, my peace is going to be removed from this city. And the fulfillment of Scripture is 37 years later. The city was sieged by the Romans and destroyed completely by the Romans, the temple and the city were completely destroyed because Israel, the city of peace, rejected the prince of peace. And because of that, God's like, I can't give you my peace when you reject me. Accepting the prince of peace go hand in hand with having the peace. Maybe you're listening today and you haven't personally accepted the prince of peace in your life. You respect him, you're intrigued, you're open, you're like Zacchaeus in the tree, you're one of the crowd, you're willing to hear him come by, you'll check it out, you'll observe He'll go, yeah, maybe there's something in this. I don't know. I'm still trying to figure it out. That's good. That's honorable. But I would encourage you, he's the Prince of Peace. And you won't ultimately have peace because he's the maker. He's the lover of your soul. He's your designer. He's the author of your life. He knows you better than you know yourself. You ultimately won't have peace 
until you ask the Prince of Peace to come in. And when you do that, you're going to find so many other dimensions of his offering in your life. And it's wonderful. It gets better all the time. But I'll bet you in your life, you can look back too uh, in this passage right here. Oh, this is what he says, the final thing in verse 42. He says to Jerusalem, guys, here is why I'm lifting my peace. The reason I'm lifting my peace from your city, from this town, from this culture, is this. This is profoundly important in scripture. You can underline it in your Bible in verse 42 if you have it. He's saying, I came as the Prince of Peace, but listen, and I'm crying because you're rejecting peace. And he says, here's why I'm taking my peace away from this city. Because you didn't recognize, it says, you didn't recognize the time of God's coming to you. You might want to underline that in the Bible. You didn't recognize the time of God's coming to you. Uh, Some translations say God's visitation. Uh, The the, the concept here, the premise, the principle that it's saying in the original is, um, guys, I only came that you would have peace, uh, but you guys overlooked and ignored the time of God's visitation on your life. Uh, What this is saying is, never overlook the times and moments of God's visitation on your life. Never overlook the times and moments of God's visitation on your life. And and some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Maybe it's not like this where Jesus rode in on a donkey right in front of you. No, but you've had visitations from God and you know you have. There's been times in your life where you've called out to God and God has answered you. Uh, There's times in your life where you needed something and said, please God, please, and he provided it. There's times you prayed for a healing for you or for someone and God did it. There's times where uh, you should have, when you got in that accident, you probably should have died or got really hurt. You should have been hurt really bad because of the nature and God spared you maybe without a scratch. How in the world? There's times where God spared your life and saved you from things and circumstances. It wasn't a coincidence. It wasn't happenstance. It was the sovereign nature of the lover of your soul. Listen, you've had times of visitation as well. Um, What this is saying, if you're a believer today, is don't forsake the times of God's visitation. The moments of God's visitation, take them to heart. Don't overlook the times and the moments of God's visitation in your life, because that's what Israel did. And God's like, I love you, but I've given you visitation after visitation after visitation. I sent the prophets. I finally came. I manifest everything the Father told me to do. My love, the miracles you should know by the signs, raising the dead, calming the seas that I'm God's son. I've done all these things. You've seen the visitation of God in your life. And Israel says, no, it's not meeting my expectation. And unfortunately, they're missing out completely. And Jesus said, look, I only came, as he cries, I only came that you would have peace, Jerusalem. City of peace, I only came that you would have peace. But since you've recurringly rejected my offer of peace, my love, my grace, my mercy, you've rejected the time of my visitation, I'm actually going to pull back the peace. Peace is not a universal right Peace is an optional request. It is a gift from God. It's listed as a gift of the Holy Spirit. It's a gift. Peace is a gift. Many of us want that gift. I came because of that gift, and God honored it and gave me that gift and so much more. I pray right now that the Prince of Peace would come into your life in a profound and an explosive way. If you're listening today and checking out this live feed or whether it's on YouTube where you see this video, and you don't personally know the Prince of Peace, you got to start somewhere. 
And you got to say, you know what, Jesus, I'm just observing, but I I realize you got some stuff to offer. And I want to start following what you promise. I want to start trusting in what you say. And he comes to offer peace and give you a time of visitation. Even right now through this feed, he's giving you a time of visitation as his word is being made known to you. And he's asking you, do you want to receive the Prince of Peace? That's a random choice. He will never force himself on you. He's a loving God. But like Israel, with tears, he says, I've come and I've given a visitation. And even if you are out there today and you haven't accepted Christ, you know there's been times he showed up and did something for you. You know it. And there are dots that you could connect. If you're willing to connect them, some people don't want to connect them. But if you're willing to connect the dots, you're going to see the hand of God's visitation in your life. And you can't deny, you can't deny that he loves you, he's been pursuing you, and he's been proactive in your life. Yes, he may have disappointed you in some ways that he didn't promise. That happens to many of us, that he didn't promise. But if you begin to understand his promises, you can start counting and banking on the promises of God in your life. I want to encourage you right now as we close in prayer to do something with this time of God's visitation in your life. And so I want to ask that we just bow our heads in prayer right now and take to heart this moment of God's visitation, even this time of this uh, COVID-19 pandemic in the world where God's got to shut down. Guess what? There's a time, if you slow down, this is a time of God's visitation too. What are you doing with this opportunity of God's visitation? Let's close in prayer and ask God to make the most of this moment. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We praise you for your word. We thank you for the power of it. Lord, help us to be people that don't just put our trust in random hopes, dreams, expectations. Uh, It's okay to pray and ask for things because you're a giver of good gifts. But God, ultimately, we don't want to get disappointed because we had some random thing that we wanted to put on you that you never promised in the first place. We don't want to walk around as disappointed people. We want to walk around as people with a bold confidence in the power and the love and the provision and the promises of God. We want to be people that no matter what, if the world's turned upside down, if the economy's going sideways, if the world's in a state of pandemic, that we can trust in the author of our faith. We can come under the shadow of your wing. There is healing there. There is peace there. There is provision there. There is revelation there. We want to be those kind of people. And so, Lord, I just pray for your peace on everyone in the family of believers today, that the peace of the Holy Spirit, which is a fruit of the Spirit, uh, would be manifest in the lives of your people, Lord. Overwhelming peace in the middle of this storm. I thank you for that. And if there's any out there today checking out this feed who haven't made the commitment, uh, the kingdom of God is not something we drift into. It's not something we slide into. It's not something that rubs off by osmosis. It's a discerning day and moment and time in our life where we say, you know what? I'm not in the kingdom because I haven't put my life, I haven't trusted my life with him. But now I am. I'm trusting my life with him now. It's a day you'll never forget. You don't drift. You don't slide. It's not your parents' faith that washed over on you and you, you were born with it in your genetic DNA. It doesn't work that way. It's a decision to step into the kingdom, to choose this day who you will serve, scripture says. And maybe this is the time for you. And I would encourage, it should be the time. If you're listening to this and you've tracked this message this far, God's calling you by name and it's time. And you don't want to wait. So today is the day of salvation for you. And so just tell them in the privacy of your own heart, wherever you're at, whether you're listening to this feed in your car or uh, wherever you're hearing this, just say, you know what, Jesus, that's me right now. I don't understand a lot of it, but this I do know. You came to be my sacrifice Who am I to reject it? I don't want to be like Israel. I want your peace. I want what you have to offer. I'm recognizing this moment of visitation. I do what you tell everyone to do right now. I turn. I turn. Just tell them right now if that's you. Just tell them I turn. 
and you turn and say, I'm going to turn and follow you. I'm going to make you the Lord of my life. You're the king. I'm not. You're the pilot. You're the master. You're the, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the Lord. I'm not. But I want to take direction from you. I want to walk with you. I want to stay in step with you. I want to learn from you. I want to grow in you. Take away my sins. Give me a new beginning. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose from the grave. From this day forward, I'm committed to walking with you. Show me how. And if that's you, I pray you start reading your word. You got to tell another believer you know in your community, in your circles, or let us know. Hey, I stepped in. I said that prayer. We want to encourage you in your, in your walk of faith with Jesus. Guys, we're living in times right now where this is no joke. We're living in times now where you got to walk with Jesus. You got to be in step with God. You got to be in step with the Spirit if you're going to discern what's going on and what's your place in it and what's your tempo in it and what's your role in it as we're going to see things unfolding soon uh, around us uh, as the world is changing on our watch right now. So God has you here for such a time as this. Let's make the most of our opportunities. This week, guys, love your neighbor, okay? This week, go out and love your neighbor. This week, I want to encourage you to join us for our Good Friday feed. We're going to send you the link for it on Good Friday. And of course, Resurrection Sunday. I will tell you this. If you want to do any outreach for Jesus, maybe you haven't done any outreach all year long as a Christian is supposed to do, I want to encourage you. The, the, the Easter, the Sunday, Resurrection Sunday feed uh, on Facebook, share it. As we go live, just hit share and it appears on your page. And any friends exponentially that you have, they can either click it or ignore it. That's up to them. That's not on you. But that's you being bold for Christ. He says, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father and angels in heaven. So I want to encourage you, share these feeds, guys. It doesn't matter where people live on the other side of the globe. We are scattering seeds for the kingdom. We're pointing people to Jesus. And also, if you have any of these cool neighbor stories that, you know, like what I shared with you earlier with our family giving out honey on the corner... And as Heather, you know, uh, emailed and said, hey, this is what God did. Uh, It's not a boastful thing. The Bible says, uh, let your light shine before men so they will see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I would just encourage you, um, post it, post it and tag us on Facebook or, you know, we want to get that. We want to, you know, let us know, hit us up, tell us how God used you to engage and love your neighbor in this season. Because I think much of this time is all about that. God bless you. Have an amazing week. We love you guys. Uh, We'll be connected with you during the week. And we're just praying for peace in this storm. God bless you.